0: We are the mothers of many. Kiara Evans and Lorna Blanchard. As mothers of many children, we are curious about our parenting journeys.
1: We were called to document this poignant time of mothering in our lives. We feel passionately that women's stories should be heard.
0: me how you feel about winter Lorna how are you feeling right this second with what's going on in your house at the moment? Yes
2: it's a good time to record because we are currently making our way through the symptoms of some disgusting virus that has descended on our house and most of the people we know in the local area and uh, we have just come out of a few days of some vomiting, some diarrhea, we've had some snot, we've had uh, coughing, oh my god, so much coughing. We've had coughing all night for one or other of the kids, probably for like five weeks in a row. And yeah, we're just coming, I hope, (laughs) I pray, (laughs) to the other side of whatever germs have been floating around the place. So I'm feeling a little bit uh depleted in my emotional ability to care about illness
0: <laughs> I completely understand that my family have got about mm, 20 minutes of sympathy and then I'm done Oh, that's that's quite a lot
2: That is a lot is that a lot yeah I think that's quite a lot I'm not a natural nurse I'm not either I literally was thinking about that just then I was like One of the roles that you have as a mother, especially a mother of four, is that you are a nurse more times than I am comfortable with being a nurse. And I don't, I definitely didn't understand that as being part of the role of a mother ever. And I'm still, I still struggle with it because I struggle with it more when I'm ill as well. But my kind of nursing is not the, probably the kind that I should give to myself first. And that's the strokey, strokey blanket. No, actually I do the blanket. I'm not the the emotional nurse. I find that the hardest bit. I can do the practicalities, like here's the bowl, here's the blanket, here's your food. This is like where the loo is. All the practicalities and none of the heart.
0: (laughs) I... I think it's so harsh on on yourself, on mothers, on me. I find it so difficult to be uh, sympathetic, I guess is the word, which sounds so cold and uncaring. But I'm like, guys, don't you understand that when we have so many children, and even when there was only one child probably, the day is stacked up very carefully. And if someone is ill, everything comes tumbling down on me oh it's a lot to cope with so I've run out of sympathy at that point that doesn't mean I don't
2: care it's just hard isn't it yeah I just there's so many layers to this I've discovered so I think I've gone through several years of having like quite I hate the word trigger I'm trying to I've like in my life please any listeners out there if you know a better word for trigger please tell me what it is but I've been trying to unpick the things that bug me the most about vomit mainly like the other illnesses the coughing all night there's that's like a build-up and then I get to a certain point I'm like I'm done now whereas with the vomit it's like a, an, an immediate reaction of like no not this can't do this and I just think there are just so many layers to this um like point of contention for me and I wondered actually if we should talk really about how we were Um, cared for or nursed when we were poorly like as children because I feel like (laughs) Kiara's loving this she's like no but I feel like the way I deliver care to my children when they're ill one yes is because of logistics and there's so many of them that I'm like okay fight this fire now the next fire now the next fire especially especially when there's like loads of them ill at once if one of them is ill then I am far better At connecting with their emotional needs as well as their physical needs. But when there's four of them all ill at the same time, that's a different like mental ball game, I think. But I was wondering like how I like started reflecting on how I was um cared for when I was sick, when I was little. And I I just do you know what? Like there's so much I can't remember. How about we start with you?
0: Here's the thing. I know that part of my issue with a lack of sympathy when someone is ill in my house is exactly how my mother was, is, and it, I'm gonna use the word, it triggers the hell out of me to have that connection and to go, oh God, I'm just like her. Which for anybody that doesn't know my story, <laughs> my story, um, I would like to not be anything like my mother um she and I don't speak we haven't spoken for a long time I left home when I was 16 blah blah blah. it was toxic it was horrible and I don't want to be like her and I think I spent my whole life just desperately hoping I'm not like her and then when sympathy is needed I am like her in an instant and I hate it because it's And I, yeah when when we were ill as children and my mum had four kids when we were ill as children there was it was just very matter of fact it was like just go to bed or you're fine the end there wasn't nurturing there wasn't care there wasn't you know bowls of warm soup it was just sort of get on with it or if you're really ill go to bed I mean like to the point where um you know my my sister broke her arm and didn't get taken to the hospital because they didn't and I think this happens like happens more often than you think but it was like days until her arms sort of went black and they went oh maybe there is something wrong and I don't think that's a lack of care I think that's just it was just a very matter-of-fact household like you're probably okay
2: there wasn't a lot of nurture that definitely speaks to me in the sense that I feel like that generation in general were far less hands-on with their kids not in the not in like i trying to put words to it, but definitely an emotional connection sense. There were so many other things they were doing. And this is from a non, it's not judgmental. It's just their task in that generation wasn't necessarily to connect with kids emotionally in the same way that we do now or we see as normal now. So there's elements of that that we're bringing into now, isn't it, of how the impact that that had on what happened to us when we were little that immediately surfaces in certain situations. And for me, illness is one of those situations where I feel I instantly go down to like, right, what are the practicalities in this and how how can we just fix it? Because if I fix it, that means you can all go back to school and I can carry on with life. Or if I fix it, we can just go back to normal and I don't have to be like constantly on alert to think about what it is that you need or don't need. And I definitely think that's a response from that hands-off nature of go to your room and come out when you feel better. Although I don't think that I had that severity in childhood. I definitely remember being cared for, um, having people bring me nice food and asking me to rest. I didn't want to rest or do what they said to feel better. I wanted it to just go away. I think I've always fought against the succumbing to your whatever you're going through physically because I like to be very active. So as soon as I'm taken out on a physical sense, I start to feel resistance in my body and want it to just go away so that I can carry on as normal. But I'm I'm really interested that both of us and both of us are totally different as far as the like level, I guess, of nurturing care that we can give our kids in different situations but on the illness front, we're both pretty much like oh illness
0: yeah yeah panic I think um similar to the conversation we had last week about money I think there is a lot of shame linked to illness for me and I remember one time we were going to grandma's house. And as a child and as an adult now, although recently less so, but uh, I suffered really, really badly with migraines and they were triggered by, I don't know. I thought it was just dehydration, but I think probably more like stress. And I remember going to grandma's house and I ended up with an awful migraine. And on the way home, I literally sat with a jumper over my head, just desperately trying to block out noise and light. And it was, and I was offered some tablet paracetamol when I was at grandma's house because that's all she had, and I didn't know how to take it. I must have been very, very young, and I didn't know how to take a tablet, and I was nervous of taking a tablet. I think like most kids are the first time you're like, here's a tablet, and I, and paracetamol is horrible, isn't it to take? So I remember not taking it and kind of freaking out a little bit, and basically the whole car journey home being. Hold off and shamed for the fact that it was essentially my fault that a I had a migraine in the first place because I hadn't drunk enough or whatever and b wouldn't take the medicine and so there was like no care at that point it was just like shame and it's your fault and I think that definitely comes up for me even now that if I've caught a bug that there's got to be some kind of blame it's your fault for I don't know mixing with someone or like knits at school I remember that kind of you know thing I remember my mum cut all my hair off like I had really long hair like I do now and I got knits at school and she cut all my hair off like it was your fault for having long hair for being near other children we're cutting it all off like that was sort of the way of dealing it was very harsh way of dealing with anything that sort of rocked the boat I think so now I feel Yes, exactly. Anything that was inconvenient. Yeah. And I really feel that now as a mother, I have to really fight against, you know, if I see my kids fall over, my first reaction is, oh, for fuck's sake, now this is going to delay us walking to school because now I've got to deal with someone's bleeding knees and what they need. And I don't have plasters and maybe like all the things spiral instantly. I wonder if that's how my mum felt. I kind of look at her mothering now with a bit more compassion and go maybe that's how she felt. Maybe that's why she mothered in that way because it was just like a spiraling. And I almost have to like I feel like I've had to teach myself almost the words to say to my kids in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um like recently I've started saying to them, you know, if they come to me and I'm complaining about something and the, the instant reaction is just to go, it's not that bad or, you know, whatever, you'll be. That my, my, what I'm trying to do now is kind of look at them in the eye and go, I believe you. That really hurts for you. And it almost like, they're like, oh yeah, she validated me, fine. And um, the other thing I've been saying to them, I don't if this is helpful or not, or good or not. But the other thing I've started to say to them when they come to me with something that's happened that will just, it's not something that requires medical attention it's just going to get better and like okay I believe you and it will get better with the passage of time <laughs> I love that that's I it that.
2: yeah that's all I've got like you have to just wait now
0: yeah. sorry
2: I definitely say something similar and does it not feel so unnatural that's the thing like just... oh
0: unnatural it's like remember the words Kiara what are the words we say <laughs> yeah
2: because empathizing with someone. What's it like? So sympathy, empathy, right? So sympathy is when seeing
0: someone's pain and saying you feel sorry for it. And empathy is like getting in there and feeling it with them. Is that
2: I think it's the opposite way around. I think oh, okay. empathy is where you feel it because you're sympathizing because you understand and empathy is under, and Empathy is like seeing that it's happening and acknowledging it. I think it's that way. I don't know. Maybe we should look this up, but. And it's interesting
0: because I think both you and I would call ourselves empaths. Yeah. To a
2: certain extent. Yeah. Because when someone cries, I cry. Right. I, you know, and if any of my friends cry, I cry too. <laughs> Along with them. But when my kids are ill and they're suffering, (laughs) I don't have that. It doesn't kick in. Like, it just doesn't kick in. Like, instantly I go into the, this is highly inconvenient to my life. And the other night when one of mine vomited all through the floor, over the carpet, several times on the way to the loo and then all over the bathroom floor, I was like, oh no. And I said some awful things, like awful (laughs) to the child, to my husband, to anyone that happened, to God, I was just, you know, I was going off. And it was like, I wasn't really there. I was like triggered, I guess, into a place of like, what I don't even understand now, where what that place was. I guess part of my work at the moment is to understand where I'm coming from when that happens. Like, what is it going on? And you and I have chatted about it, I've chatted about it with a few people. And I'm still trying to understand the layers behind where that trigger comes from. And I know that part of it is because there's just so many people in my house. So I know if one person starts vomiting in the night, that's potentially six people vomiting. And that can be like three weeks of isolation. And you and I have talked about like being isolated for me is one of the hardest things about mothering. And you know, no one wants to come around and see you like if your kid's vomiting, which is fine. Um, but it is like a very isolating process. You are a nurse that's not a natural role for me on your own with someone who needs you to be empathetic, sympathetic, whatever. And you have to still keep the cogs turning for all the other things that the other five people, six, four people, whatever, need. So it's like a many-layered process of like trying to work out what's going on there so at the moment I'm still having some very human moments with it and actually like I got whatever they had um not as badly and then another child came down with it and I was so much more sympathetic to her having just been through it myself I was like oh yeah it's not very nice is it like you're really struggling and that came out naturally I'm like I get it it's really yucky yeah but yeah. yeah, but when I'm triggered, I'm like, okay, well, here's the bowl. Like, don't get it on the floor. And I'm like literally holding the head over the bowl to like make sure that I don't have to scrape up <laughs> any more on it off the floor.
0: Yeah, yeah. So after you sent me those messages the other night, was it Saturday night? Anna was just really tired. And she was lying in bed going, I feel like I'm going to be sick. And I instantly was like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. And I was just kind of saying, I think you're just really tired, Anna um and she was insistent that she wasn't and I was like okay well I'm gonna get you the soft fluffy water bottle and I tried to do the sympathy thing because I was like I don't think she's actually sick she wasn't I got her the bowl she fell asleep clutching the bowl um and I was and then I found myself just going Anna if you are going to be sick you are sick in the toilet or in the bowl do not be sick on the floor I was like isn't that kind but I feel like I need to give you this instruction this is very important do not
2: throw up on the floor it's so hard to get that smell out of a carpet right so hard just
0: yeah but I think you're right I think it is just so many layers and that immediate trigger for us when something like that goes wrong be it someone being sick or someone falling over or whatever and the instant kind of spiral of oh, everything is unraveling and and i almost find it easier if everyone's ill and and we have to pause everything that's mm-hmm. almost easier because then i can just kind of go all right we're going to submit to we'll pull the sofa bed out everyone just lies around in the lounge which happened to us like about a month and a half ago one by one we all got the winter sick bug um And that was almost easier because I was like, well, everything has to be cancelled. Everyone's off school. It doesn't matter. And now I can be sympathetic because almost that pressure on me to keep the cogs turning has been taken away because I'm just going, we have to succumb to rest. But when only one is ill or a couple are ill and you're desperately trying to cling to, like, we've got to keep everything going. Mm -hmm. That I find really hard. That's when I find it really, really difficult.
2: Yeah, and I heard something the other day that I remembered... Um, that really resonated and that's if it's hysterical it's historical and it was like one of those moments where I was like oh okay let's go back to the drawing board again on this like what is it about this situation of illness that's gonna you know be improved by you learning more about yourself like I've done enough work on myself to know if I'm hysterical there's something going on historically <laughs> I that's that. so interesting yes But it's interesting to me like why is it that this keeps repeating of like I and actually I want to celebrate myself this year that this is the first year I think that I've been truly honest with myself and started the work on it because it's been a long time and I think part of my issues have been related to when I'm breastfeeding or pregnant the thought of people vomiting is like heightened times a million because I'm already on the edge all the time. Whereas as Autumn's got older, my last one, it's it's a bit more easeful to know that actually, if I'm vomiting, she's going to be okay. It's not like, because when you're ill and you've got a baby, who's gonna hold the baby? Who's gonna breastfeed the baby? Well, I'm gonna do that still. Whereas now I can sort of give her over to other people and it's not so much of an issue, and she can watch the TV. As soon as they can watch the TV, isn't life so much easier? <laughs> you can just put them in front. So of much you. easier, yeah.
0: I think that's it. There is a turning point too. The child can make it to the toilet themselves and vomit in the toilet, and we can all just sit and watch TV and veg. That, yeah, that's a turning point for sure. I'm not almost coping
2: with illness. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. not yet at that level, not the walking to the toilet and getting it in the toilet yet. And then it's still the, like, random spraying. Fuck it, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's progress made. and Yeah. I'm definitely ready to see things from different perspectives on it. So you and I have this book, don't we, as well? Like, the book. <gasps> the book. <laughs> the book. Bethany,
0: honestly, Bethany rolls her eyes when I
2: talk, when I'm like, I'm going to get the book. The book. The book is... So amazing. So, uh, well, it also is so triggering. Um, It's both. Um, It's called The Secret Language of Your Body by. We will. Ina Ina Gaskin? No.
0: No. Uh, I've got it right here.
2: Anna Siegel, I think her name is.
0: Oh, Ina Siegel.
2: Yeah, I N N A. We will put it in the show notes so that if you feel like being triggered by the emotion. So no, it's uh, the it ex- can give a perspective on the emotional state that a person may be in to present physical symptoms. Would you say that was
0: that was a beautiful description. It basically goes through it's a few different ways of looking at it. You can either look at a particular body part or it goes through particular illnesses and ailments and she describes what might be at the root of this thing going on and it's so often just bang on isn't it and so insightful
2: yeah I mean I use it alongside science and alongside discernment and alongside noticing what's happening around us so it's part of the toolkit this is not like a I read that book and think that this is what is happening so tell me what it says about vomiting in there about Vomit, what's going okay. on with vomiting and I think it's one of those books that I can turn to and go all right so potentially my child's immune system is lowered because it's winter and because we're all spending more time inside and sharing more germs and blah blah blah." potentially we could be thinking along the emotional lines so what does it say Kiara about vomiting vomiting carrying more heaviness stress and stuckness than your
0: body can take
2: yeah So I think a symptom of whatever virus that we've had is vomiting because different so different people in our family have different limits of what their body can take or not take because we're all four four children who are very individual human forms. So there's so many different parts to it, right? There's like what the health was like. Of your child when they were in the placenta next to the placenta and what they got from you there's the history behind that scientifically of what their, de- what my mother ate or what health my mother had and then what my grandmother had then there's the health of the child when they were born and the way they've been brought up for the last however many years and then there's the exact point of their immune system or their human form that they experience the illness in there's the physical side of whatever the virus or illness is that they get inside their body and then potentially the emotional layers behind it as well. So for me, it's just like a giant picture and I can now see, which I never could before, I can see it from that pers- like kind of higher perspective rather than being fully immersed in the drudgery of like oh it's just inevitable we're just gonna get ill with a sick bug because it's the winter whatever. I can see how it presents differently in each person and how a virus can move through our family and everyone can like present totally differently to each other how do you use the book why does Bethany roll her eyes because it speaks the truth to Bethany and she understands the emotional
0: stuff at the moment I think um What's so interesting about the book is that it's not it's not the only thing that I'm discovering that talks to that way of thinking about illness and injury and chronic pain. I was literally just on my run this morning finishing a podcast, that, uh, the Feel Better Live More podcast from a couple of weeks ago, which is on chronic pain. So Dr. and Chatterjee and another doctor talking about chronic pain. I'm reading The Body Keeps the Score, which is um About trauma and the body literally keeping a record of trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, so the generational inheritance, inherited in I can't remember what that book's called. Anyway, a book that I read that was talking about yeah, emotional inheritance. Emotional inheritance, that's it. Same thing. The idea that all of these things are held within the body and come out. Uh, for I mentioned earlier on about chronic migraines that i've had and a chronic tooth infection that i've had as in it's been around since i left home Mm. and since i realized that my migraines were linked to trauma and have worked really hard on beginning to identify and unpick some of that i have not had a migraine Mm. as in i was having migraines mm, Two or three times a week, like really debilitating migraines. I was on a lot of painkillers and they weren't touching the sides. Um yeah. Awesome. Like it's it's bonkers. And I just was looking. (laughs) My one of my favorite ones. So currently, and I'm not saying I'm I'm not okay. My poor body is under abuse from me these days with running and various different things, which I have many thoughts on. But my
2: I am learning to look after this human body I'm learning um, so my
0: my right knee at the moment uh, for a while has been <laughs> slightly on the wonk so I I know I what, what it says about right yeah, knee I know issues with a significant male in your life father oh hi <laughs> abandonment wound how does that link with my knee because I believe I'm unlovable. <laughs> and the only way I can be lovable is if I'm perfect. And one of the ways I can be perfect is running too much. Wow. Okay. It's, it makes, to me, it makes perfect sense. Does my knee still hurt? Yes. Have I dealt with my father issues? No, I have not. I'm on my journey. But it's so interesting. And That's possible awesome. contributing factors for knees. Control, blame, judgment, anger, resentment, frustration, inflexibility, feeling stuck. Difficulty dealing with a person, issue, or
2: situation from the past. Oh, come on. Stop writing my life story. That's how I feel about the book. I think that's why you have to use it with discernment, though, because how easy would it be to read that and then go down this like self flagellation path where you're then like, oh, I'm just a useless human being. Then, like, my body's going to crumble and I have no control over this.
0: Whereas I see it as, oh, that makes perfect sense. I actually have agency over this. And the fact that my migraines have gone is massive for me like massive massive difference for me um in starting to unpick some of the stuff that was being held up here and around my shoulders and yeah
2: yeah because when you're poorly and you're not feeling good you have no space to start even begin to think about the deeper meaning behind stuff you're still just trying to get better right or feel better and you're healing your body and until you heal a bit of your body, you can't heal any like emotional wounds. Because yeah. if you're feeling awful all the time, there's no space, is there, for that?
0: Yeah. But that they are so interconnected. The body and the mind are, are one, they shouldn't be seen as separate. We should see and recognize the stuff that's going on in the body as communication with our being. Like, what,
2: what is going on? Yeah, Let's that's one of the things that. I am trying to speak to the kids about. So in all of this illness stuff, we have been having some conversations and, and talking about how different people have different tolerances for, for society, really, and what society expects of us. So we haven't spoken about it on here, but I'm a massive advocate for learning about our human design. And we can go into that another time, but my children are all very different as far as that goes and my two middle children particularly they're two of the more rare types of human design and i feel there is something in that that their energy is just different it's not necessarily Um, conducive with the system that we find ourselves in what my third one she's had a very staggered entry into school because she 100% was not ready to do full-time straight away and I could see that if I pushed her to do that without a build-up she was going to really struggle and she's had you know, she's, she's been off because she's been ill. And my second one as well, she, when she was little, she got everything, but especially ear infections and throat infections and things that were really debilitating for her. And it took a long time for, for a, her to be able to clear that, her body to clear that. And now she, she's a manifester and she goes and goes and goes and goes and refuses, refuses to have a day off, even if she's like, on the edge of the brink of doom. And I said to her this morning, I was like, you won't be able to use your energy in things that you love if you haven't got any. You'll just constantly be fighting the fire of your physical form and not be able to do all these beautiful things that you're designed to do in the world. If you're just always trying to feel better till you be clear whatever it is that you've got this cold, you're not going to be able to do any of that. So she's off today and she's, you know. Resting, as much as kids yeah. rest, but yeah,
0: yeah, rest is so important. So many things.
2: Yeah, I mean, have you learned much about rest in your mothering journey? Do you <laughs> <rest> more? <laughs> is that an inflammatory question? Knowing the answer,
0: <laughs> I think it's really uh, triggering the idea of rest the idea that I need to rest is really hard and I think a lot of it is to do with societal conditioning of we should be on the go constantly making sure the house is perfect the children are perfect that we are fit and healthy and we're doing you know valuable and there is not much value placed on rest because we have we, we hold up people who can work without sleep. And we, I guess we, you know, certainly we grew up in a time where it was like that. Let's work 24-7. You know, if you left work early, you were seen as a slacker. If you didn't work until silly o'clock at night, you were a slacker. And actually, that's so detrimental. And we talked, I think, on the Survival Mode podcast, we were talking about the need for sleep. And almost as soon as you become a mother, the fact that people justify the fact that they want to sleep is bonkers. We don't have a society that says it's OK to rest. And, and certainly for me. As a mother, I find the idea of resting very, very difficult because of that. I see it as almost a failure. And and then in terms of like my running journey, I am so bad at taking Adequate rest to the point where it is becoming detrimental for me and. It doesn't make sense, we have to rest and yet again it's another one of those societal things saying oh you've got to do more exercise, you're not good enough, you're too lazy, you need to be doing more and it's like okay well how much more do I need to do. How much mothering, how much washing up, how much running do I need to do until I've done enough to be able to rest that's what that's what goes around my head when I when I'm like oh do I need to have a rest day oh god (laughs) I'm lazy I'm people think I'm
2: lazy that's bad Mm. Mm. what about you do you rest I do I do rest more so I find the more I learn about myself though the less I need to do the what I think it's that idea of what is rest first so If you think of rest as like sitting around, reading a magazine and a cup of tea, like that is rest, definitely. Is that the kind of rest that I enjoy? No. Is laying in the bath for three hours the kind of rest I enjoy? No. Those are really like adequate forms of rest though. And if you enjoy those things, you should definitely do them as part of your rest routine. Um, But my rest is more about where am I being pulled into directions of things I don't actually want to do? And if I'm doing too many of those things, and the same goes for the kids as well, where I'm pushing myself to do all these things that aren't feeling good for me because I feel like I have to, I get run down and therefore I then need a prescribed day of the traditional kind of rest because I'm then physically ill. And I think that's part of this season that we're in now, the winter, coming into the winter, is that as humans I feel like we should be cyclical beings and to me everything about winter says gather the people around you in your house put the fire on and just go for long walks and eat delicious nurturing stews and soups and take it really slow and yet actually this is the time in school where they're like required to do more and when they have the abundance of energy where they're full of beans is over the summer holidays and it's then the parents job to like look after them. i might like, actually, I know my children would probably make more progress at school and enjoy it probably more, although they do enjoy school. Now, but I think they would get a lot more out of it if they were in school when their physical forms were full of vitamins and minerals and energy. And actually, in the winter, where they're depleted and they need more rest and they need more time indoors and they need more nurturing experiences, that's when I think, well, this society is so messed up. It's on its head, like it's back to front. Why are we doing this? Why are we pushing for all these things? And, like, obviously, this season as well, we're leading up to the the big C which everyone loves to lead up to. And it's like all people talk about right from the beginning of November until January. And all those extra things that the school do over this time to celebrate Christmas, I totally respect the work and effort that goes into all of those things. However, do I think they're conducive to my children's health physically? No. So I've actually withdrawn my children from a couple of events that require them to come back in the evening because I just think they've done six hours that day at school. They're not coming back again to do something else. Like that's enough um, with like, this is in conversation with the children too, the older ones, cause they understand. But I say to them, if you push and push and push by the time you actually do get a holiday at Christmas to enjoy the family time that we want to have, you're going to be so wrecked that you're not going to want to do it or you're just going to be laying around poorly sorry that went off
0: on yep. a bit of monologue didn't it well all i all i'm sitting here doing is nodding away just going yeah i completely agree with you honestly the feeling of rush and rising panic and pressure and overwhelm that as soon as october half term is over it just is relentless with schools completely mm. and you're so right no one's got the energy it's dark by four o'clock we're all just that's you we are cyclical beings we do need sunshine to have energy and the sun is gone for the majority of the day we don't we're meant to be like you're saying gathering around in the warmth of our houses not rushing around like blue ass flies doing things that other people are telling us to do and yeah you're so right
2: and it's even things like trying to get the fresh air in right around the school day so obviously I believe that the kids school that I send them to do the very best within the systems that they have to work in. And I am happy with where they go. I have an excellent relationship with them and I know what they're working with and that's all they can do. They have to work within the system. That's how it goes if you send your kids to mainstream school. But I also understand that the system is not on the side of my children or my family. It was created in a time that meant that it wasn't thinking about the human body and its physical and emotional form. So we're even to the extent of trying to get fresh air for your kids is so much harder in the winter. I love taking my kids to the woods. We love, we all love it. They love climbing trees. I love being in the woods. It's one of the things that we love doing together. And in the summer, I do that maybe at 3pm after school. And you can't do that easily in the winter. It involves like 20 more bits of clothing than you already have to put on them. And then you have to find a place that's not too muddy to actually get to the place that you want to go to. Then you've got to drive there. And then it's dark by the time you get there. So, you know, there's all these things that you know that they need and that we all need to nourish ourselves. But you're kind of working around this system, aren't you, of like, if you if you're invested in a schooling system of any kind really that's what you're working with but I do find ways as always with me find ways to manipulate it to my advantage as much as possible I mean my kids attendance is awful on their report it's not good because as you know I just refuse to send them when they're not well I don't think it sets them up for a good place when they're older they'll think they'll have to work through all of their physical ailments rather than find a way of nourishing themselves to make themselves feel better
0: I think that's it that they go comes back to that idea of rest and society saying you know how dare you take rest days because we begin with a schooling system that rewards people coming in when they're ill huh yeah, yeah. it's bonkers it, it just doesn't make any sense especially when children who cares if they need to take an extra day like they should be okay to rest and maybe some of the pressure on mothers and people like us who kind of go into like you know get triggered or wound up or stressed or panicking about our kids being ill maybe if the pressure from this the system was less on us to kind of go these kids have got to be in school maybe we could relax and go okay sorry you're ill let's snuggle up
2: have a rest day. All fine. My perspective on that is more how about more of us learn about what is the system and more about what our children need and do it anyway? Because until more people withdraw. Not withdraw totally from the system, but the more people who stand up and say, actually, my kid's not going to be in, or whatever it is. We're just, this is one tiny, minor issue of the system, right? Tiny. We're talking about attendance at school. There are so many things you can do to show that you are not willing to do something in a peaceful way, right? This is not like, let's stage the revolution. Let's go with placards outside the school. This is like a firm, but fair and kind way of saying, they're my children. I know what they need and this system is not nurturing them so I am going to do it for them anyway they're still going to yeah. attend your school but it's going to be on my terms when they're when they're it's so interesting that you say that because
0: yesterday you text me and said a question I have is do your kid what was it something like um is your kid's attendance at school better as they get older yeah and I would say I didn't actually reply to down but um my kids' attendance has got worse mm. because I think I've done exactly what you've just described, and that is to look at my children and go, "You need to take some time off." So actually, Bethany's attendance, as the oldest, and bearing in mind she's now at secondary school, so you'd think that she should definitely be in. Her attendance is the worst it's ever been mm. because when she's been run down, especially when we look at the book, um, I, I won't. I just
2: you know you have to take time off. You have to. But what would you say about her mental health and your connection with each other since she started being able to have those times off?
0: She, I think it's it's much better. And it's so funny because she notices now and she'll say, so she suffers quite badly with eczema on her wrists,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: which goes away when she's off school. Mm. And she knows that and the and the book says it's about stuff that you're holding in and not being able to communicate and say your truth and that's exactly how she feels about school and so as long as she can get it out of her body and talk about these things we're okay Mm. um but it it, these things are better when she is not there as in when we have like a a school holiday or whatever um but then school us you know even just silly things like well it wasn't silly she cut her hand she cut her finger with a bread knife while slicing a bagel a couple of months, like a month or a couple of months ago, whenever it was. And she really badly cut her finger. It wasn't so bad that she needed stitches. We kind of bandaged it together with Steri-Strips and got it to stop bleeding. But she was in a bit of shock, I think, from doing it. And there was quite a lot of blood loss. And obviously it was just painful. And I was like, look, and it was literally before she was going to school. Um, And I just said, just stay, stay home and rest. Let your finger recover. You know, so I remember, like, you cut your finger, it throbs, doesn't it, all day? There's absolutely no need to go, to, go for a walk for half an hour to get to school. It's just going to throb the whole day. It's a day. And we had a phone call from school saying, oh, we've got your message that Bethany's cut her finger. Maybe she could come in anyway um, and she can just sit in the, ex- in the whatever exclusion room or whatever it was and just, we can bring work to her. Oh, no, she's cut her finger open. Leave her alone for a day. Chill out. Wow yeah it's heavy so unnecessary
2: isn't it, I mean, day. it just come out of two years pretty much of kids being able to learn online at home right now I don't think that that's how all kids should learn all the time but if we managed to create that system and it was possible why is it that then they can't just do a bit at home on days when they can't make it in for that kind of reason like what where is the adaptability there? of actually what's right for a child's emotional and physical health and working with the school to make a plan for that to happen and it just that's so very much like okay well you'll just suck it up and you'll be in anyway and that's very I guess that I think we've just in this conversation unpicked another layer of the the trigger around my illness stuff right that when I was Mm -hmm. a child. There was no flexibility in the system and no one in my corner was fighting it for me or not fighting, because that's a violent word, advocating for me within the system. In fact, both my parents are teachers, (laughs) so they worked in that system and were heavily invested in it. And I, you know, they do some amazing things in that work and I'm not going to take that away from them, but it is a system that is inflexible and it is a system that is designed to meet supposedly meet the needs of many and does not put the individual at the center of it. And I do feel passionately that parental roles are taking responsibility and nurturing the emotional and physical needs of the child. Now, whatever that looks like for you is gonna be totally different in each household, but fundamentally putting your child into a system and then trusting that it's going to work perfectly for them without questioning it or looking at actually what's in front of you to me is not at the forefront of what is advocating for your child and I'm not doing that all the time I'm not I can't like I'm doing what I can when I can and I try to not make my children's life more difficult than it needs to be as well because if you do weird stuff as my oldest one calls it then people look at yeah. me and it's like <laughs> that's like her worst thing but I know she secretly admires it about me as well because they know that I'm a bit odd compared to a lot of the parents that they <laughs> they come across I know they think I'm a bit weird um but I feel so passionately about being that advocate that for them it's gonna they're going to maybe look different what they get at home is going to be a bit different and i'm okay
0: with it I, to me it all just makes perfect sense the idea that you know if we why can't we flip the system on why why what what, what happened for the system to serve the majority and not put the individual person as a dignified I don't know, to use words that we've used before sovereign being. I at know the what core happened. of what we're doing. Yeah, what happened? What where did that go wrong?
2: Well, we all invest in it all the time. Like yeah. every day. Money. Yeah. Not just money, but just by the very societal situation that we're in. We all do all the things that you're supposed to do. You know, like we all just follow it because the people before us did it, and not enough people question. Now, I'm not saying that that means like tomorrow, let's all draw, withdraw our kids from school and like never oh, send God, them. no, we're not doing saying, that. No, God, I'm not either because I love the time they're at school and they get so much from it. And I, you know, I've gone around the houses on schooling and we can definitely do an episode on that. But um, I think it's more about there's not enough questioning of like, why do we have to do that? So, for example, I know because I've read all the documents that there are to read on it, that attendance is to do with Ofsted. So a yep. school's attendance is measured by Ofsted to say whether they're doing X, Y and Z and nothing to do with whether children's needs are being met. Absolutely nothing. Now, I am very fortunate that I've formed a great relationship with the school and we can have these conversations with each other. But I also take credit for that because I've worked hard to create that link. It's not like an us against me situation, like them against me situation, sorry. It's a, we are both on the side of the child. How are we going to work this? So it does benefit the child. And I just think there's two, there's a lot of noise around The system's rubbish, it doesn't work, but less noise around. Oh, the system doesn't work. What can I do to show that I'm not willing to participate in the system in that way anymore? And it's not a violent act for me. I'm not like outwards, you know, protesting against things, which I totally think that people should if they feel called to, but it's small little actions I can take for my family, that mean that we are all going to be nurtured within the system that we do subscribe to.
0: Yep, yep, agree. It makes sense, but I think it just almost takes having these conversations sometimes to recognize, oh, hold on, I have a choice here. Hold on, I can take some power and say, what's best for my kids? and for me and for our family and to put that at the forefront and actually if I do that in in my heart I then feel like an easing Mm. of the overwhelm of the pressure if I'm just kind of going oh hold on a second remember this is about the children growing up feeling loved supported nurtured hold on it just means we can slow down and reassess and take some power back and do what works in the situation. Mm. um and that feels good. that feels that feels good for me to be able to do that and think. and it's also naturally what the kids need, naturally what the kids demand, almost isn't it? Like the kids are so attuned to exactly what they need if you can listen, if I can listen to my kids, they they they're clear on it. they know what they want to do, they know what they need. Um, whether that's a sense of injustice over something, which my big ones will express, or a sense of, I'm not well and I need some attention,
2: whatever, yeah. And what I wanna know is how I can do that for myself when everyone starts throwing up. That's my next level, because what what we just talked about for like the last 10 minutes was the ways in which we advocate for our child when they're poorly or when they're under a stressful situation, whatever, with illness. Um, and I want to know how I can then be my own advocate when I am under a time of pressure and stress. But I think
0: that's another system, right? That's another, It, it shouldn't come as a shock that at some point mothers are going to get ill, and that mothers will need some sort of rest and support, and it is unacceptable that mothers are on their own to deal with more more or less, mothers are on their own to deal with how they, how they feel and probably a child or two or three or whatever also being ill at the same time. And that's because the system does not value the work of mothers, does not support the family life. We have a society that's, we're all too separate, right? There's no, the majority of people do not have the support network around them to go, oh, I'm ill, I need help. I've got nobody locally that we could turn to and go, I need help. Mm. That's, that's a shame and that's another system, systemic problem that we have for mothers.
2: Because um, that system from school of like attendance ties into work life generally. Um, yeah. So when whoever it is in your family that is going out to work needs to be there them taking yep. time off becomes a shameful act because they are shamed yeah. at work for needing to take time off to look after their kids. Like not the case for my husband this week, last week, sorry, who took a day off to work from home, although he can't really work from home in his job. His work was not like that. His boss said, I've been there. I know what it's like when your kids are ill, like take this day, you know, if you need to. And it was fine, but that isn't always... The response that you get from the workplace, no. or the person that you're asking to stay home with you or come around isn't willing to for their own reasons as well. does that, yeah. Layer? So, I
0: think it's one of those like recognizing in the moment, like you're saying about your children. Oh, hold on, I can recognize there's a need here, and I've got to advocate for my children. Okay, so recognize there's a need for you and advocate for you because actually, unless we do advocate, we might not know the answer to will somebody, um come and help us i'm just gonna shut
2: this door yeah and i think that's why actually i that's why i said i'm gonna celebrate myself this week because i feel like i've done a lot more this week to make sure that i'm advocating for my needs as well as the kids in whatever germs have been going around and i have said i need you to stay at home tomorrow to gary because i'm not going to be able to get whoever to school or whatever or you know just generally like stating i need these things to happen because otherwise my life is going to be 10 times harder in a week um and that to me is the same as the quiet
0: protest as it were at school it's the same thing it's the i i need you to we've got to put my physical needs above work today mm. that's that's great yes that that's the moderate middle standing up and like taking a stance on this thing i think that's really important Mm. Um, I, like I remember a really extreme example of when I had a miscarriage and was literally in the toilet on my own at home bleeding like possibly hemorrhaging at the time I pro- definitely should have been in the hospital anyway whatever and I I phoned CJ and I, I, I couldn't get hold of it so I phoned his sister who was working at the school with him she's a teacher too and I said he has to come home now and he did and he was off for three or four days like the school gave him time off but I think it's one of those like we just need to say it sometimes and go hold on this awful thing is happening a miscarriage or we're really ill we need
2: time you've got to do it like advocate so I think in and- what we was started off talking about about winter and why it is so stressful for me or Stressful for me. That sounds like I don't enjoy it because I actually really love winter. I love being in the cold. I love the food. There's so much about winter I really love. So I think it's more why in winter is there this like mm, semi-conscious level of unrest? Let's say that. It's a semi-conscious level of unrest. It's not awful. It's just always kind of there. And I think it literally boils down to the fact that I am at the moment, always having to question my decisions because it goes against what society is expecting.
0: Yep. And actually, if you can just breathe and say, I have agency, I have control, I can choose to nurture and to rest. Like I was saying, that space in your heart opens up and you can kind of just go, okay, it's gonna be all right rather than going oh my gosh I'm coming into winter where everyone's going to be ill and the pressure is on because it's Christmas and because it's this and it's all the things and you can just feel that sense of unease and uh, yeah
2: constriction and pressure. And also the other layer of that of like releasing control over the fact that people are going to get ill at some point and there is no control over that. You know, the the control I have is how I maintain all of our health as much as I can within my means. So that is that is where my control is. I, you know, try and buy multivitamins when I can. I don't know. I've gone through many this. That's like a whole spiel that could be like half an hour long. So I won't go down there. But as much as possible, I think about how our physical and emotional health can be cared for. But ultimately they are going to get ill and I'm not going to know when that is. It's not on a time frame of like, this is a convenient time or not a convenient time. That's not how yeah. it works. Damn it. Yeah. So this is the next layer of growth for me is like, how can I respond during this period to ease that level of like slight unrest that ticks along in the background of winter? Mm. I don't want to end up having my two weeks off with my kids at Christmas which is a treat being like not enjoyable because we've all overdone it and everyone's a mess I want to ease into it and I want to roll with what happens in the best way that I can without putting this like immense pressure on all of us to have done all the things by then
0: yeah and I think that's to me for me in particular Christmas stuff does my head in for the for the pressure on families to do all the things and again it's another one of those you know a mark of success is to never have a rest day and to do all the things and to show everyone that you're doing all the things in our system which I don't subscribe to that I don't I don't there's something in me that just doesn't agree with that way of living that's on a treadmill. And yet my conditioning and my life and my trauma or whatever is kind of going, do all the things and you're not good enough unless you do all the things. It's a really hard place to be, isn't it? To fight yeah. against that constantly. No wonder we're triggered when our kids vomit. Yeah. <laughs> all of this, like when someone vomits or when someone falls over, all of this comes flooding to my head. All of our, the whole conversation that we've just had, it's all there in an instant. Yeah. No wonder we find it hard to be sympathetic when we've got all of this going on. Yeah,
2: it, definitely that. And until yeah. we can be more sympathetic with our little inner child being in that moment, then the trigger will be there, won't it? Because yeah, that's when you realise that actually there's just a tiny little person inside of you screaming. Just give me the bowl and rub my back and tell me it'll be fine. <laughs> and it'll <pass> yeah soon. <laughs> yeah that yeah I why think, is that so hard
0: yeah
2: yeah well I think we unpicked a bit about why it's so hard
0: yeah exactly yeah
2: yeah hard. but I do there are so many things that are enjoyable too and I know that I can have a tendency sometimes to focus in on those like hard things and spend less time celebrating the joyful things so i definitely i'm setting my intention for the next couple of months to really try and celebrate the joy that arises amongst all of the other things that might happen and say yes that there is a life of contrast here and not just the one thing that i could go down that rabbit hole with
0: yeah and i think the joys can be so simple and so in with this rhythm of life of let's huddle up under a blanket and, and cuddle up because it's cold and dark. And let's look at the stars. You know, that's there's something truly magical at like just stripping things right back to basics. But I was, was just thinking as well, why why is it so hard? And the narrative that is around at this time of year is not only do all the things, be in all the places, never rest. But at the moment, the constant narrative of, "Oh, you can't afford your heating bill, or you can't afford to eat," it's it's a horrible level of stress. When all we want to do is snuggle up and be warm and cozy, and that, and yet yeah, all the fear that a lot of parents are having at the moment, real fear, is, "I can't afford the bill." How awful is that? Like that's stress that everyone's living with. No wonder we're all resisting
2: <laughs> winter. Just awful. Yeah, and I think that that's another reflection of the system, though, isn't it? So, yeah, totally. The things like news channels, they all buy into the system, and the system yep. wants you to be scared. So, the more yeah. you go down that fear path, me with the winter germs, some people with the fear of the lack of money, whatever it is for you that is coming up as your fear. That's I think okay so you asked me what's rest for me and I don't think I answered mm. one of the things that's restful for me is to minimize the noise as soon as I minimize okay. the noise of the outside world and only take in what I feel is right for me and connects with my truth then I feel restful the more I hear you know, random information from places and things and just constantly taking in information from places that are not aligned with who I am, I start to feel less restful. So I don't lay around like doing yoga nidra a lot of the time. That's not how I rest. I think I probably could benefit from that sometimes and I don't do it. Um, But at at this current stage in my life, what I do to rest is I am very, very careful about what I allow into my sphere and my bubble. And I, yeah, try and do my best with coming back to myself and listening to the voice inside of me. I think that's a good place to to end. I think that's a lovely place to end. My my sick child is calling me.
0: oh good conversation and totally not where I thought we were going to go with this one today
1: this week we want to introduce you to an amazing author Sophie Leone who's written a book called the book of revelations it's incredible it is powerful it is life-changing it is inspiring it is words of wisdom just pouring at you please go and read it I'm going to read you a little bit some of my favourite lines from this book. What if we went easy on ourselves? What if this knowing actually gave you fresh lungs and wings? What kind of foothold do you need to get yourself there? Fear is driving the system. Humans are fearful of travelling sober to the edges of their world. Okay, one more. Step off the merry-go-round, take rest from it reassess what is important and what is essential it is never too late to love yourself that's sophie leone's book of revelations you can buy it on amazon you can get it direct from her it is amazing please go read it